Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Mr. Walton, did you make contact with Ellie? Will you take him to another planet, to a mothership? How do they communicate with them? Can you tell me what they look like? Can you tell me how many of them there were? Were you, were you given food? But the teachers are alive. They're not books. They are the very living essences of nature itself. What a strange person. Unbelievably powerful supercomputer that's running our reality, and we don't have a clue yep. as to how to operate it. So when maybe you or somebody else creates an AGI system, and you get to ask her one question, what would that question be? What's outside the simulation? Say in your mind, say to yourself, I am more than my physical body because I am more than physical matter. I can perceive that which is greater than the physical world. Broadcasting from New York, upstate, near the Great Lakes. This is Lighting the Void. I'm your host, Joe Roop. It's midnight here in New York. We're live on the Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. You're tuned in for the first time, Lighting the Void. This show's been here for a few years now. 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Pacific time, right here on the Fringe FM. The call-in number for tonight's 1-800-588-0335, as usual. And you can join our chat room by going to thefringe.fm forward slash chat room. Tonight we're going to talk about a subject that we have never discussed in detail, which I got to thank our producer, uh, Patrick Pacho, for making this happen because he knows that I'm interested in this. And our guest tonight, Randy Powell, is here with us. We're going to be discussing a little bit about uh, energy, vortex math, the Taurus fields, 
some of the stuff that we uh, that we've talked about before, but I don't think we actually have gotten to hear it in detail this way. Um, as far as any updates go, I can tell you that that when it comes to the mask, I, I just called home and my father was so mad at me about me saying I wasn't wearing masks. He told me never to come home if I'm not going to wear a mask. That's how bad it's getting out there. So if y'all want to hear about that, we'll put that uh, episode up of uh, the the episode I did with Night Stalker up about that. I want to thank our sponsors at GetTheT.com, AncientLifeWorld.com, and Metaphorical Archaeology. Those guys help us keep this going on the network. And all of the patrons for Lighting the Void, you guys help keep the show going. Thank you guys so much. So I want to jump right into this. Um, I don't think I have any announcements other than thanking Greg for coming out. And make sure you guys go check out that course if you're into astral travel. That's a really, honestly, a really good course. I would say it's more advanced. It's kind of jumpy. It gets you right in there. So go check it out. You can put in code word lighting the void and get $50 off. So um, Randy's here with us. We're going to talk about this. And and, and Randy... Uh, got into this expanding on the work of uh, Marco Roden and he explains vortex math and the ABHA Taurus from the beginning. Randy says with vortex based mathematics, we'll be able to see how energy is expressing itself mathematically. Now, most of us are familiar with Albert Einstein and most famously his theory of gen- general relativity E equals MC squared. But Einstein also theorized another idea where he attempted to connect general relativity with the forces of electromagnetic, uh, magneticism as a unified field theory. And unfortunately he was never able to make this theory, uh, theory real or the theoretical connection, even though his theory of general relativity suggested the possibility. And decades later, Marco Roden discovered the nine digit pattern. That is the foundation for all of vortex based mathematics. Randy being a student to Marco's work took the fundamental sequence. And by implementing the formula into a 3d modeling program, the shape of a donut revealed itself. He learned very soon that the shape of the donut was the universal geometric design for maximum efficiency and energy transformation and an ecological method by which the universe reprocesses matter. Vortex-based mathematics gave Randy additional insight into explaining how everything in the universe, from the elements of the periodic table to why every pattern in nature, from the spiral in our galaxy to our own DNA, are toroidal, uh, toroidal based. You can go check out his... Uh, Instagram at vortex underscore math. You can go to holdmyarc.com forward slash blog. There's a blog post. I'll put a link into the chat room about this. I'm pretty interested in this. Thanks for coming on, Randy. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. This is a, a, a really interesting subject. I think the last person I talked to about this subject was, um, gotta keep, I always forget his name. Claude Swanson, who wrote the books about it. He, t- he talked about toroidal fields in his books, but I don't, I don't think he nearly got into the math that you talk about. And I see this stuff in like all of the mystery schools too, when it comes to the Kabbalah and magic and all these, they even have rituals where they tell you to visualize this kind of stuff. I mean, how did you, how did you really realize that this was in everything? Was it through chemistry? What was the first thing that really gave you that aha moment? Well, um, I guess on a personal level, it does connect, 
um, to some of the things that you're referencing in terms of um, sort of bizarre mystical experiences I started having when I was a little kid and putting pieces together a puzzle that took many years until I encountered Marco's work, which served as kind of uh, a convergence point for a lot of different uh, threads that I was pulling on. And, I, you know, whereas your introduction summed up a lot of what has happened, uh, you know, very excellently, the only thing I would correct in that is that it wasn't... Uh, a 3D modeling program that um, actually revealed the shape. In some ways, Marco already knew that the that this mathematics was creating a toroid. What no one has been able to do is to actually go through the center of the hole. In other words, to do what no one has ever done before, which is to go through a black hole and come out the other side with an unbroken calculation um, that's able to reconnect back to itself uh, in, in a closed loop, closed system. And so I figured out a way of using this math to be able to take it into a, a full 3D and then through the help of some of my friends and colleagues, uh, early models were developed in this. Um, those models still remain uncompleted as far as the updated work that we have now um, because this work has carried on, but largely underground and mostly over the last 10 years, I mean, I've gone out here and there, done some talks, done some interviews here and there. Um, and a lot of things have happened behind the scenes, but um, because of the nature of what we're doing and not following the conventional routes and not wanting to cheapen this work by selling it out for cheap interest. Not that I'm yeah, against capitalism or anything like that, but it's just that um, this needs to be something that is really taking us all to the next level. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like you're isolated. saying you don't want to, you don't want to sell it out to the new age community and get onto the hype of it without getting some real information and real legitimacy and all that. Is that, is that what you're saying? Well, that could be one side of it. Yeah, there's definitely the side of the New Age community, um, you know, whatever that is. I mean, it's kind sure. of uh, one of those things. It's like when someone says Hinduism, you know, people think of that as a religion, but that really just means whatever people were doing in India. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Um, you know, which is a lot of different stuff, right? So, um, you know, I mean... Personally, yeah, I mean, there's that side. I was more really referring to the kind of corporate um, financial and... Oh, okay, um, gotcha. Yeah. 
governmental structures out there. Not that again, I'm not. I think that they all need to be involved. Every everyone needs to be involved, but just not exclusive. And so I'm, you know, in the spirit of what this work is really about, and in the spirit of the teaching, because this mathematics is very scientific. It does all the things that you referred to. It can teach us the secrets of how to combine electricity and magnetism with the uh, physical sciences in terms of relativity, uh-huh. unifying these contradictions of quantum mechanics, understanding the periodic table, solving these mathematical conundrums like pi or you know any of these endless uh, endless repeating digits or um, irrational numbers, unifying the different branches of mathematics, all of these things it can do, but it goes so much deeper than that because what it's really teaching us is that there's even an ethics embedded in it. There's an ethical reality. What do you what, is, what do you mean? You, you cannot. I mean, you cannot separate um, the scientists from the from the spirit and from the human element. Gotcha. Okay. And so there's a proper way. There, there is an art to it. There's a proper way that it must be done. It, it can't just be brutally hammered out in the way that humankind likes to do things. And if I can even be antiquated, I would say mankind specifically <laughs> likes to force uh, things to happen. Well, that's, that's not the nature of what this math is about. This math is all about finding the path of least resistance. You know? Okay. Uh, and it is about um, getting rid of friction and violence uh, and uh, needless waste. Um, and so... I've really taken that to heart in actually how I'm willing to present this and what I'm willing to do. You know, we've been searching for a long time for the right source of of funding and collaboration, Mm -hmm. but most people aren't willing to abide by the stipulations that I would like to put on it. Like if I have a laboratory, I would like it to have 24 hour live streaming cameras that show everything that's going on in there. Um, where we're really just sharing the work that we're doing um, and allowing the world to participate. Uh, that that's that would be fantastic because I got to tell you, man, what you're saying about how mankind likes to force things is definitely true. And in a sense, even with this vaccine, they're trying to push that kind of like. You know, they're using RNA, which is not like all the other vaccines where they kind of make, you know, a a flu virus or whatever and get you a little bit sick or put it in there. So you create and it creates antibodies. This is this is like really messing with our genetics and our DNA and stuff. And I believe in in the law of like nature and the natural evolution of things and the natural evolution of consciousness. And I feel like stuff like what you're doing is vital because, I mean, if you can reveal some truths about this now you know would be the time to do it 
because people are just jumping on board with uh, Neuralink and AI and all of this stuff. And I just, I don't know, like it kind of freaks me out. But what I'm seeing here on your blog all, and some of the stuff all, you wrote. It's all a, um, it's a big charade because yeah. it's all of the Neuralink and all this stuff is primitive caveman science. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that they're doing. It's not advanced. It's barbaric. Um, what, um, you know, and I'm not uh, trying to personally attack anyone, you know, I'm sure they're doing the best that they can do. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and reach inside of their hearts. Sure. I'm just saying um, the the nature of the approach is still external. That's This is what I mean by hammering it out, bashing it out, you know, trial and error, um, freak show science. It's not principles. Because truthfully, numbers, the essence of this discovery is that numbers are science and that they are definite and precise language. And it's axiomatic. There are principles. There are universal truth and that's what I mean in that there's an ethics embedded into it mm-hmm. um, even when you speak of things like natural evolution but it's directed you know it's directed everything is based on a vector and it's driven forward in a very determined way no. and um, so forgive me if I'm losing track just because it's late and I've been up for over a day. <laughs> You've been up for over um, a day. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's been a long, it's been, I've been very busy. I've been very busy, but it's okay. I'm used to operating this way. Um, I was just trying to uh, come back to kind of what you're saying about Neuralink. It's an external approach in this sense. What we're trying to do, let's even use a different example. Um, one that many people in the alternative world or the new age world or whatever are kind of familiar with is the idea of radionics, right? Which was developed by, um, things for random right. And it's this idea that you can target things with frequencies and destroy cancers and different things like that. And, you know, there's been mixed off about, about how successful that is. Um, but some very interesting things about it. Uh, and many people have made the connection with our works and with that and with Margo's work. Um, the difference is with what we're trying to do is that we're not attacking anything from the outside. The human body, the human mortal coil is the ultimate technology. Um, what we're trying to do is understand it, the operating manual, you know, because we just, we've had this thing. We're kind of like, um, you know, a bunch of cavemen who just found a Kawasaki in the desert. Mm, you know? Okay. That's a good analogy. Uh, someone else had made this. Yeah. Someone else had made this metaphor before. So it's not original to me. I can't, I just can't remember who it was. But the idea is that, you know, eventually they might figure out 
how to drive it a little bit, how to start it. But they're gonna it's gonna be a long road for them to figure out how it was made. You know? Um but what it does actually this, is where it comes from happening. Does this tie into things like uh and it's been called different things by different people, but the fields of like biogeometry where you where you know certain geometrical shapes certain geometrical uh structures and things like that put off and emit a certain frequency um i read a book about this by a fascinating guy it's all connected it's, it's, yeah it's all one thing what okay. this mathematics is is an approach to synthesis and what synthesis is is it's the opposite approach to analysis the general trend of science is analysis, which means you start with your questions and you work your way to the answers. The method of synthesis, what we've done is we started with the answer um, and we're working our way back through all the questions. Now, a lot of people don't like that method. They're, they're afraid of that. But when you're referencing geometry, frequency, all these things, what we're ultimately saying is it's all one and the same thing. And numbers are geometry. That is the real deep, deep principle of what we're bringing forth. That is so different because if you ever took geometry in high school or any of that, oh, yeah. um, you know, you have to do all these proofs. If you know, this is the whole enigma that numbers don't explain geometry according to conventional mathematics. And base systems are just arbitrary conventions. Um, and what we've discovered is that that's not at all the case. Uh, base systems are are inherent to nature. And there is an underpinning geometry in everything in the universe. And there is a shape to the universe. And an ultimate shape within the universe you will, in the microcosm of that macrocosm that works for energy transformation and temperature regulation. As I often reference, is the common problem among all technologies, from refrigerators to supercomputers to vehicles to the human body. This is the problem with the entropy and, you know, search for the possible holy grail perpetual motion uh -huh. why can't we have perpetual motion because there's always heat loss because the temperature isn't perfectly regulated but this math reveals the key to energy transformation concentration and regulation and how to make a closed loop uh, what you could call a, a hysteresis loop feedback loop Gotcha. Um, and everything in the world of 3D, the 3D world that we live in, is a feedback loop. Nothing is linear. Nothing is straight. Not even time. And so we suffer from a lot of confusion because our consciousness, which is occupying a higher dimension, if you will, what, what we call the omni-dimension, is linear. It is experiencing a linearity. And it's a vector. 
we can call it the spirit. You can call it energy if you want. It's the F and F equals MA. It's the E and E equals MC. Where okay, it's dark energy. You want to call it that. Um, in the TED talk I did years ago, I you know I, I, I rapid fired out a bunch of different theoretical subatomic particles and people thought it was real funny because they're supposedly not related at all. But what I'm saying is that this linearity, which underpins and which is the cause of the warping and curvature of everything in nature, even time, which is difficult in nature, which is a loop in the world of 3D. Because as you were referencing evolution, evolution in the natural world is not progressive. Right. It's a spiral. You know, I mean, this is accepted. This is like, because as you're evolving, everything that's trying to kill you is evolving as well. And it, it doesn't really go anywhere. It's just a treadmill. It's a circulatory system. It's an ecological process of renewal. So the, it's a mental so, cycle. So we we've had a few quantum physicists on the on the show that I heard, there was one that came on twice who had explained uh or he had a theory of the universe that the uh black holes were doing kind of what you were talking about they were simply just transferring the energy in a mirrored effect to the other side where you know there's been this theory where they're just black holes they destroy light, matter, and everything that goes in them, which really never made sense to me, but he that's what he's talking about. And he kind of based it on this, too. But he didn't go into the the math as much as you talk about. It makes me wonder why why doesn't anybody go well, into the math simple, as much? It's a simple issue. In, with calculus, as you approach black hole, it's self-destruction. Everything goes to infinity. And so this has led to a huge problem with, uh, in fact, uh, Leonard Susskind wrote a book on it called The Black Hole Wars about his whole debates with Stephen Hawking over this subject because of the fact that it violates the law of conservation of information. Um... But yes, ultimately, there is no linear infinity in that sense with all the contradictions that would come along with it because nothing in a 3D, as I said before, is linear. There's always an aperture. The black hole is a hole. It's a heat sink. Um, it's an eye, you know. And ultimately, mathematically, it's a zero. Because a zero is not a number, it doesn't exist as an enumeration on in the multiplication series, right? It doesn't, um, it's an absence. It's the hole at the center of the donut. So when I was saying there is that shape of the universe, there is that shape. We see it in the shape of all these spiral galaxies. We see it in our blood cells and our DNA. Mm -hmm. and the structure of our body and the shape of the Earth's magnetic field. Anybody who's heard me talk before, I go on and on with these things. You know, how we see this shape and what is that shape? It's a torus or a donut. Okay. So in some ways, Homer Simpson 
was very correct <laughs> All right. in his adoration. But the donut is, in fact, the secret of... Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Well, uh, we got to take our first break. You guys heard it here. The donuts, the secret. We'll be right. We'll be right back with Randy Powell. We're going to talk a little bit more about this vortex math, maybe some uh, applied stuff, or how we can use this knowledge or understanding of it in our life. We'll be right back. More lighting the void coming up. Stay with us. Check it out, Surfer Music Discovery. It links to thousands of online stations, but the twist is you see the song names and artists that are now playing live. That's different. No guessing. Looks like a waterfall of music. So many formats. Rock, oldies, country, R&B, jazz, and a whole lot more. How's that spelled? Surfer, S-U-R-F-R. Is it expensive? It's free. No need to sign up or sign in. Get the Surfer Music app free from Google Play or the App Store. Sure, you have a great product, but did you know thousands of times a day, advertisers try to get in your head and you really don't remember the product or the service? The Draw Shop knows your message needs to be watched and understood to convert viewers into buyers. The Draw Shop produces powerful, animated, and affordable videos. Single-person businesses working out of a converted garage to Fortune 500 companies have used The Draw Shop to make videos that are impossible to be misunderstood. Whiteboard animated videos turn viewers into buyers and believers using proven neuroscience, psychology, and highly refined marketing knowledge. Viewers take action. And with a compelling animated video from the Draw Shop, conversions are three to five times the national average. The Draw Shop. Call 844-619-3729 or visit thedrawshop.com. That's thedrawshop.com. Hey, this is country music singer and void walker Jason Benoit. And when I need my fix on the world of magic and the capabilities of the human consciousness, I listen to Joe Roop right here on Lighting the Void Radio. Please listen. Now is not the time to fear... When your immune system is strong, shields up. You have very little worries. If your immune system is compromised, you're susceptible to all viruses. I say shields up and no fear. Try Heartlove from GetTheTea.com. Heartlove has a special ingredient called allicin. It comes from the healing part of the garlic plant. No garlic breath, no garlic leaking out your pores, just pure immune-building ingredients that gets your shields up. Heartlove is a unique blend of herbs that loves to build you up. Google garlic and know the benefits. One heart love pill is equal to 20 cloves of garlic. 20 cloves. Shields up. You've heard of our life change cleansing tea at getthetea.com. Now try heart love. And by the way, 
Take your blood pressure and watch weekly what happens. So here's how to purchase. Log on to getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com and build your shields. That's getthetea.com. Mention Ray in the coupon code and hit apply and receive free shipping. Telepath is a weekly digital newsletter filled with the latest paranormal news, trending topics, and fresh articles from some of the most popular critical thinkers in the community today. Stay informed on your favorite paranormal podcasts and live streaming talk shows. Interact with the telepath and upload your paranormal story or pics. It could be featured in an upcoming edition. Sign up right now for the free telepath newsletter at paranormal.radio. That's paranormal.radio. Hey, I'm J.M. DeBoard, and when I want to talk about dreams, I look up my man, Joe Root, and his show, Lighting the Void. Back to Lighting the Void with Randy Powell. We're talking about uh, Vortex Math. Now, I did put the link to his presentation. Um, and I think it was uh, the presentation was at the Breakthrough Energy Movement. And I noticed that uh, that uh, James did put in there. Somebody said in the chat room that, you know, Joe's said that everything is energy. That's just my belief. For sure. That's what I believe because intuitively this stuff connects, um, to me. And now you guys know I've studied, uh, esotericism, magic, Kabbalah, the mystery schools to practice it. And intuitively it all, to me, it all goes back, uh, to numbers or geometry. And there's a glyph on here during your presentation, Randy, that I've seen before. And it has that number. It has that number nine and every number is on the exterior, uh, angles of this glyph you know the number nine breaks down in simple grammatria too in scripture i know there's something to it is or is it just um not as big as i'm making it out to be you know what i'm saying is nine just what it is no it is it's it's you know um it exists across many ancient cultures it's absolutely scriptural um you know i'm much too many people's chagrin, you know, I'm a Catholic. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, so, so, so there are people who think that, uh, you know, I mean, but there are people who think like, I'm just so way off and, you know, out here in this world of, of new age people. But, uh, you know, my thing is it's in the Bible. It's, you know, I mean, Christ cried out in the ninth hour, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It's all throughout the scriptures. Um, the number nine represents the apex of history, you know, which is that moment. You know, it represents the apex of consciousness. Uh, it is the point, literally. And from that point emerges this linear, you call it an emanation. Some people might find that a little platonic. Um, you can call it energy if you want, but what are we saying? What is energy? Because really, in E equals MC squared, the E is, is, is undefined. 
you know, regardless of the equivalence principle. You know, what is energy? They say the ability to do work, you know, it's what animates everything. Right. Physics is the study of, of matter and motion, right? Uh, this is that source of all inquiry, right? Even for people like me, like even an Aquinas, um, you know, where is this motion coming from? Um, and so we can call it energy. You can be even more scriptural in that it really comes down to the very first words of that in the beginning, God said, you know, let there be light. And when we're talking physics, um, I often refer there's this relationship between light and sound, so between the same and the illumination, the electromagnetism. Gotcha. Between sound vibration and the perfect harmonic, or the perfect sound vibration, which is the name of God, the most perfect holy name of God. So, if we're talking physics, um, and forgive me for people who are familiar with this, because I say this a lot, but it's a crucial, important, central point, is that um, it's conventionally taught that the fastest thing traveling in the universe is light traveling through the vacuum of space. Um, sound has this inverse relationship. We know that light, as it penetrates a medium, it slows down. So light moving through the atmosphere is slower than in space, course penetrates the ground it's dispersing even more in form of heat right it's going slower and slower and spreading out more and more from its point of origin um sound does the opposite supposedly you know if it's a pure vacuum it doesn't propagate at all um because there's nothing to vibrate right um and the denser the medium that it travels through, the faster that it travels. So the general, quote-unquote, random motion of particles, random motion of the speed of sound, the general motion of particles, the air in the air, it's all the speed of sound. Um, as sound penetrates, like passing a sound wave through the Earth, it travels much faster than in the atmosphere. If everything's packed more densely, the vibration passes more quickly. All right, so when we're talking about black holes, the, the theory is that um, with a black hole, uh, past the event horizon, the, the gravity is so intense that it's escape velocity. And escape velocity is just like what the speed you have to get for a a rocket to get out of the, you know, to go into orbit, to get out of the um, gravitational pull of the Earth. So when the escape velocity of that gravity is so intense that it transcends the speed of light and the light is actually even sucked in and can't escape it, um, we have a black hole and over that event horizon where the calculus can't see and where a DBM has taken us inside where we can turn upside down on our axis and actually see what's 
what's really happening in there. And what's happening is that sound penetrating that matter, that hyperdense matter. And this is referenced in quantum mechanics. People can look it up. It's called hypersound. Look up condensed matter physics, hypersound. We talk about sound at these extremely high frequencies that ceases to propagate as a wave and becomes what they call a quasi-mass particle. It's an emanation. And essentially, the sound penetrating that matter transcends the speed of light. Um, and until it becomes this perfect linearity, which emanates from the center of mass of everything that exists from an atom to the Earth, to the galaxy, to the whole universe. All mass is finite. All mass has a, has a center point. Okay, no matter how vast. And from that center point, this energy emanates out. And it works according to the inverse square law. It's just, you know, gravity is its counterposition. It's not even a force. It's the reaction to the force. It's the negative space that makes everything travel back towards the zero. Okay, but you never really reach the zero because you're always warping around it. There's always a hole. There's always an aperture. Uh, this is the problem with pi. And I don't, it's probably technical to get into, but it's that the line never passes directly through the center of the circle. It's always deflected by this energy. This energy, as it penetrates matter, literally deflects it. it it imparts energy to it, gives it motion and vibration. What a, I wonder if it would be, in a sense, and, like God, right? Because you always hear that uh, in Scripture and stuff. They're like, well, uh, if God spoke, you wouldn't be able to withstand the the sound or anything like that. And to me, it's like, what if God is actually, and I guess in a smaller analogy, would be like the center of a rodent coil, you know? Where you can't well, it is God. It is God in terms of the Holy Spirit. It is God in terms of of what we can know of God, which are God's signs and attributes, while God's own nature remains unknowable. Because it's because okay. So if you were you mentioned the petroglyphs, this uh, what did you call it? This. Um, call it a sigil you can call it what was the word that you use um i don't know i i, I forgot what i said maybe the i was diagram talking. whatever this the road this coil Enneagon, this nine-sided this oh, nine-sided yeah, yeah, yeah. I called it, on well i called it the modern day flux capacitor flux capacitor yeah yeah i think you called it a glyph right yeah. um so any of these terms were fine you can call it a mathematical equation. You can call it a cross-section of the circle. That's what it is. It's a nine-sided cross-section of the circle, which has very specific relationships. Uh -huh. There are two aspects that you'll witness on that symbol. Um, one looks like an infinity symbol, or what's sometimes called the lazy eight. Um, and the other part is a pyramid, which we usually draw in red. 
important that it's not a triangle. It only connects at the top. It only connects at the apex. Now, this is really significant in everything from this dichotomy that you see between those two symbols really important. Why I say it doesn't connect on the bottom is because what this is showing you is an open-ended system interacting with a closed system. And that the profundity of that really can't be underestimated. You know, on the one hand, that pyramid, which is composed of the numbers nine, three, and six. And many people are familiar with the quote from Nikola Tesla that if humanity only understood the significance of the three, nine, and six, right. that they would understand the secrets of electricity and magnetism or something to that effect. Right. Um, but he was correct. He was correct. It is the secret. It is what models the field. So this dichotomy between this open system, which is what you might call in physics a field, um, and this closed system, which we would call mass or matter, the material universe. Another way to refer to that dichotomy would be the sort of consciousness and the body, you know, spirit right. and matter. Um, the truth is they're unified. They're really one thing, but they're, they're one thing in the sense, uh, much like, I think it's, it's best. Honestly, I, I referenced the Catholicism before, and I think it's honestly best summed up in the way that the ancient Christians discussed this idea of the Trinity and that it is. A, a, a triunity, a, a three and one, that is inseparable, indistinct, but not mixed. In other words, each of the each you can't call them parts. It's kind of like the, the yin yang, where it looks like separate, but way. it's really one energy. Well, and that the yin yang is a trinity. Right. It's not a duality. You know because there's a center point mm -hmm. for the yin and the yang. There's a balance point. And the Taoists recognized it. You know, in my mind, outside of, um, outside of the ancient, you know, church fathers and stuff like that, I really think that the Taoists had the best articulation of it. Um, very much so, you know, because that's, um, they they were very much cognizant of this idea of the Trinity and its significance. And you can see that in the mathematical formulations they developed like the I Ching. So when I reference this other part, this lazy eight, this infinity symbol, you'll notice there's a very significant pattern. So I hesitate to go into numbers, but we'll do a little bit. What you find on that pattern is a doubling process. I reference in my TED talk that made it follows this pattern. It goes one, two, four, eight, which we understand as doubling. 
And then it does this thing where it goes seven, five, and then back to one. Like, what is that? Well, if if you're doing digital root math, or you know, you may call it gematria or um, numerology, if you're doing single-digit math, mm-hmm. whole number, discrete math. You add the numbers together. So eight double to sixteen, six and one gives you seven. Right. Sixteen double to thirty-two, three plus two gives you five. Thirty-two double to sixty-four. Lo and behold, you come back to one. Six and four is ten. One zero is one. Right. Yeah. Sixty-four double is one twenty-eight. Reduces back to eleven and two. Two fifty-six, which comes back to four. In other words, it just creates this pattern: one two four eight seven five, one two four eight, seven five. Doubling creates a distinct six-digit repeating pattern. And it also works in reverse, the same for halving. When you're halving, it goes backwards, one, five, seven, eight, four, two, one. This is highly significant. I often tell people it doesn't get more personal because you came here to this conversation through a doubling process, which is called cell division. You know, that's how you were conceived and created. Um, it's in, you know, all chain reactions, squares and square roots, uh, you know, there's often the question asked in physics. You see it in E equals MC squared. There's so many of these things in physics, the squaring function, and I think there was a book written on it called like the universe squared or something like that. Posing this question of why, you know, what is this thing squaring? Well, this really explains what it is that's happening. Um, This um, I'm trying to trace back to where we, where I was referring to at first because there's a specific reference to the doubling that we started with that slips my mind because there's. Well, it seems like when you that these numbers, especially when you look at the glyph, you can add them. If you add them in halves, uh, like from left to right, everything equals nine. But then if you add them this way, then everything equals six. And then this way, it's 12. It, it's almost like this glyph right. represents mathematical perfection. Perfection, exactly. That's yeah. what it is. That that term was coined by a very genius mathematician who said if anyone had, you know, and this guy redefined computers, you know, back in the day. And he said if anyone had told him that, Somebody could have done something like this a couple months before he saw it. He would have said it was totally impossible. I've been told that time and time again by some of the best people in Silicon Valley and elsewhere. It's literally impossible what we're doing. So the number nine, which is at the apex in that unique position right at the top of the circle, top of the mountain, is what we call a constant. No matter what you multiply the number nine by, it always reduces back to the number nine. Right. Now, um, this is significant in physics, you know, the search for the cosmological constant. There is an absolute that all relativities are convergent. Because all relativity is so extremely relative that it's relative to its point of convergence, its own source of wholeness or unity. So the number nine, as a constant, it forms an axis. So as you were referring to, all the numbers that align horizontally equal the number nine. One and eight, two and seven, three and six, four and five. They all equal the number nine. And this is how we develop 
the concept of polarity. Literally, polarity means you're on opposite sides of the pole, um, opposite sides of the axis. This is why we have horizontal symmetry, but we don't have vertical symmetry as human beings. Yeah. Oh, okay. We have, we have bilateral symmetry, which is based on patient around an axis. That makes sense. And I've been That's working right. with some top, you know, professional athletes and coaches on exactly how this works in the human body, and we're really beginning to define it now and show how it works, how the body is constructed exactly like this. But I'll save that topic. So this polarity that we see is always based on its center point. There's always a third part. So polarity and what we perceive as binary, like a binary code, which is another type of the doubling process. And it leads to all these problems, you know, what they call the combinatorial explosion. You know, these numbers get huge and unwieldy very quickly. But now we're able to reduce them to a very simple system. But that system is not so simple because what it teaches us is that what we always thought was just a simple binary or a positive and negative is what we actually call a binary triplet, which means it's always a positive and two negatives or, or a negative and two positives. And they form a, a chain, a loop, they form a circuit. And that circuit cannot be separated from its geometry. It's an instrument, okay? And all these coils and everything that we're using in technology, these instruments are at a tune. When you hear the static sound of electricity, that's friction. That's heat loss. That's, uh, that's you know, what many people say, causes cancer, right? It's, it's harming us. Right, yeah. Tremendous ways, maybe it's harming our consciousness, you know, all these, uh, harming our brains. It, it, it's just discord. Where it, um, where it harmonically stable electricity, not only would it be efficient, not only would it be self-sufficient, but it would enhance our well-being, as opposed to being a detriment. It would enhance our consciousness not by having to attach a giant bunch of wires to our cortex, you know, Elon. (laughs) Um, That's a totally primitive way of understanding what the brain is. The brain is simply a filter. The brain is not... um, Is not it's not like a storage place for all of everything that we know. Yeah. yeah. It is not the source of consciousness. It is simply a filter for consciousness. Gotcha. Okay. Um, it, it is tuning out the majority of everything so that you can focus on the survival of your body. 
And this is what's happening to people when they have altered state, be it through uh, intensive prayer or meditation or, you know, psychedelics or, you know, people have epilepsy. Or even um, uh, even in the out-of-body experience, we've had experiences of loud noises or just constant noise, craziness, yeah, things breathing, like that. Breathing techniques, all these things. Because what you're essentially doing, uh, you know, I made this prediction a long time ago about psilocybin and these other things like that, where people are having these mystical experiences, experiencing God and things like that. That, um, and people were talking about wanting to measure the brain, and they thought they would find some master brain weight. And I, uh, I theorized that what they would actually find is very low brain activity, and that. Actually, what the psilocybin is probably doing is shutting off all the portions of the brain except whatever is regulating your vital function or function. And uh, it turns out, and John Hopkins did the research, that's exactly what's happening. And that's exactly what's happening. Turning off all the filters. And that's why people are having these profound out-of-body experiences because all that's there all the time. You know, and yeah. so if our technology was working correctly, it would simply be drawing spirit from the inside out. So when I was referring to radionics and those things, instead of targeting something with an external frequency, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, maybe you explode it, maybe, maybe you make it worse. Everything natural, true healing must come from within. Spirit works from the inside out. Okay? It always moves from the inside out. That's a distinguishing characteristic. That's the nature of its vector. We could call it love. You know, when you're focused in love, that love is always directed from the inside out. Right, yeah. It's the opposite of it's the opposite of fear, which is reflection towards the center, gravity, weight, anxiety, stress. It's all that. It's all the vector towards your own center. But spirit, will, love moves from the inside out, always. And that's why it removes the fear. Because it lives forward as Kierkegaard, the philosopher, famously said, life can only be understood in reverse, but it must be lived forward. So the living forwards is this energy. And when this energy is there, it perceives the reflection. It perceives all understanding. That's why I say God cannot be comprehended. That is the love that surpasses all understanding, all comprehension. It literally breaks boundaries. It's not a closed system. It cannot be encapsulated. It's the opposite of what we call mass or material, which is always a boundary condition. Or another way of saying that would be a harmonic shear, surface topology, or a skin. Um, a physical universe, even, is finite. It must be a certain amount. It must be discrete as a unity. Okay, because if it's not finite, it's not physical. 
these are the two interacting systems, right? So perceiving comprehension even must always be this force, this life energy, this love. You know, as Dante said, you know, love, love is gravity, I think, or something like that. Love is energy that yeah. holds the universe together. Uh, I got to um, stop right there. I mean, I've got to take a, a, the top of the hour break, but that's a good place to leave off before we come back. Listen, if you guys want to call, if you really want to ask a question, just call the call-in number. It's 1-800-588-0335. I really want to focus on what he's saying so I can make sure I ask the right questions, but I will be dropping glyphs in the chat room, constant glyphs of the, or constant pictures of this glyph that we're discussing tonight. And, uh, Vortex-based math with Randy Powell. We'll be right back. and I'm the founder of the Phoenix Aurelius Research Society, where I perform modern scientific research on the methods and techniques of Paracelsian alchemy and spagyria for health, wellness, agriculture, ecology, and more. All my work is 100% funded by the public. So if you like what I'm doing and you want to support my research, please consider making a purchase of spagyric medicines from my apothecary, fund your own spagyric IDF wellness research, or participate in my group study or one-on-one immersion courses so that you can learn how to perform this work for yourself. I want to thank you in advance for your support. Visit thefringe.fm forward slash alchemy research and enter coupon code fringe and receive 15% off anything and everything on the website. That's thefringe.fm forward slash alchemy research. And thank you for doing your part and keeping alchemy alive in the modern day. We all have that story to tell in our lives. The winds were howling. The ground shook. You could hear rushing water. And then history repeats itself. When there's no power, refrigeration fails. Stores with their shelves stripped bare. ATMs can't operate. Deliveries stop. Then what? These events can last days or weeks. You need a plan. In statements made during recent interviews, FEMA Administrator Brock Long has repeatedly urged all Americans to understand three truths. FEMA is broke. The system is broken. If this is the new normal, Americans can't rely on federal cavalry when disaster strikes. Don't get caught out in the elements empty-handed. Prepare with us by going to preparewiththefriends.com and get your two-week food supply, 92 servings, eight food varieties with 25-year shelf life, normally $137, now only $75. Or get a month's supply, normally $247, now only $147 shipped in one business day. Just go to preparewiththefriends.com or call 888-440-7931. That's 888-440-7931. Give this great offer and be prepared while it lasts. Have you suffered in silence or experienced stress from a paranormal experience? Even if it happened 20 years ago, when thinking or talking about it today still makes you feel sick to your stomach or makes your heart beat faster or you suddenly can't breathe. Maybe you even feel those old familiar signs of a panic attack trying to reach the surface. You could have unprocessed emotional responses. Those reactions of terror and trauma are no different than living through a horrible assault, childhood abuse, or a terrible car accident. It can be nearly impossible to find help. The very instance of seeing a ghost or encountering a cryptid could be clear 
clinically described as seeing or hearing things that aren't there. You could be considered psychotic, or at best, you're just not taken seriously. Out of a growing mountain of research, the National Institute for Integrative Healthcare showed that 8 out of 10 veterans who completed just 6 one-hour EFT sessions no longer tested positive for PTSD. If you've had paranormal trauma, you can contact Metaphorical Archaeology by calling 214-995-3754. Again, that's 214-995-3754 for a discreet consultation. Randy Powell, we're talking about Vortex Math, which I will tell you is no coincidence based on all of the shows that we've been doing. Um, you'll see. We're going to bring up a lot of stuff that we've been talking about here uh, recently, how it all ties together. But what if, indeed, that Vortex Math, understanding that these numbers and geometry are just the power of the number alone, the geometry of it, is the answer to everything, all of the mysteries. What if it is? When you look at this glyph, if you go down the line, whether it's alchemy, Kabbalah, 
even how we've discussed the magic of the Hebrew language, the Tetragrammaton and the yod heh vav heh why does the Hebrew language have numerical correspondences into that pyramid of yod heh vav heh yod heh vav yod heh and Yod, if you look at the pyramid as it goes up, it comes out to 72, which breaks down to 9 again. This isn't a coincidence that everything that we look at comes down to this number 9 and this glyph that can explain everything in life. You see it in every symbol, every Masonic symbol, a baseball field, a pyramid. It's everywhere. It's in the galaxy. And there's someone asked, uh, someone asked in the chat about levitation. Well, the only time that I've ever seen anything really physically levitate is in the middle of a rodent coil like this so yeah randy it's it's really cool that you're doing this work i really believe that what you're saying about technology is true like i think that the the real technology real advanced societies understood the power of these numbers and we just call them numbers but let's just say the power of the energy of the of what they represent and how we could use it to to enhance our energy, to live longer, to have better lives, to have better health, to have more energy, unlimited energy, more happiness, more love, more everything. Um, otherwise, what the hell are we using technology for anyways? I mean, this is the ultimate technology. It would have to be. Do you believe this is what the ancients knew, like yeah, the Sumerians and, it's, 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 and all of that? Well, you know, just to make this point, too, is important to consider. As I mentioned, numbers aren't just quantitative, they're qualitative. And that's the qualitative aspect that's eluded everyone. And it's actually the qualitative aspect that in some sense is more fundamental. Um, and I mentioned that because when you say we can have more of all these things, which is true, but what's really important is not that. That's a scalability question. Mm -hmm. But what we really are going for is that we can have the perfect love, perfect life, the perfect, you know, the, the, the qualitatively maximized, perfected. Um, and that's what we're really seeking to do with this, to, that we all have potentials and we're trying to realize those potentials, to draw them out. Mm-hmm. And I believe that these technologies are, are part of that process, but they're also always and only an externalization of what is already and truthfully, I think the far deeper aspect of this is understanding the technology that we're all existing in, developing our yeah. own moral coil, our own DNA, which is explained very well by this mathematics, which predicts its shape. And further, the work that I've done on the toroids predicting that in the body it would take multiple double helical strands to bond together to make toroidal 
DNA forms in the body, and uh, that's actually been discovered and found to be true. Um, so on every level, the, this is being uncovered, you know, and all that remains is for that scientific world to figure out that we have the skeleton key to unlock it all. You know, I've met some of the best and smartest people in the world of science, and mostly they all they always say the same thing when we're done. Just not to ridicule me as I'm often done online and, and media and stuff like that. Well, I, I honestly all, never, I haven't heard anybody ridicule you about, I mean, I, I study this stuff as much as I possibly can and I haven't heard anybody ridicule you at all. So I think, well, that's great. I know I have a lot of support and there's a lot of people who support. I just mean like in the world of academia. So. Oh yeah. Academia. For when sure. I meet yeah. with these, when I meet with these people one-on-one and we go into it, they have, I've never had a negative experience. I've always come away where they felt very positive and, um, and made a ton of concessions towards what I was saying. And they always have said the same thing to me afterwards is that what I did for them was to make connections. And despite all their training and all the knowledge that they have, they're not taught to make connections. And that's what the, this method that I'm talking about, synthesis, that's what it's all about. You're combining every conceivable notion every conceivable mathematical function, every conceivable technology, everything conceivable into one form and function equation. Um, and it's, that's why it is, uh, as you were referring to on the break, it is the philosopher's stuff. Yep. Um, it is that thing which is all things to all people. Uh, and it is a quick silver, if you will. Um, yeah, if there's, like you said uh, during the break, if there's all of the mystery schools, they teach a lot of really cool stuff, a lot of secret and hidden things, but they're always, like, missing something. I think, what are they missing? Well, I, I like you said, I believe you're right. I think this is, this is what they're missing. It's the power of... Uh, I would just say the power and the quality of what these numbers are um, and how all of this equals perfection. And it's so, it's so funny, like how you bring this up because I've been on three different shows. I've talked about this hermetics, big, big time. First, we got into polarity for the longest time. I've wanted to make sure people understood that. And then now we're kind of in the law of gender and sacred sexuality. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this so much is because of what you said earlier about the quality of love that we have in our life. There are a lot of things that we do that are so in balance that we don't hold sacred, but I promise you the more that you learn to balance this, this concept out in your life, whether it be, whether it's with yourself or in a relationship or in love period, you'll feel the kind of love that you've never felt before in your life. And it still might not be as perfect as the center of this field. You know what I'm saying? But we might, it helps you get closer to it. Well, hundred percent. I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely a believer in, uh, in the sacredness of, of sexual bond. You know, I'm a believer in marriage and family and children. 
And, um, and I think that we're coming to a point as a society too, where we're realizing that this whole experiment of the kind of sexual revolution or whatever has just led to a lot of misery. You know, particularly it seems, I'm not a woman, but it particularly seems for women. Yeah. And, uh, and, but I, maybe not particularly, I think equally well, probably. I think, I think it's not understanding those, well. those two energies in ourselves first, you know, like understanding like, Hey, I'm a man. I have mostly masculine energy. At least I do, but I also have a little bit of these other chromosomes, this feminine energy. How do I balance this out? Well, well sure. We both, you know. we both, both male and female contain both. We're all, we're all a, and that's why there, there's obviously a spectrum of human beings and people in terms of people my masculine, more feminine, regardless of their biological gender. Um, but it's the fact that everything does have a gender a genderization to it. Mm-hmm. Um, All of creation. They're, they're, yeah, and so here's the here's the way that this is the way that and this was understood by many of the ancients. The if you're looking at our glyph, that three nine six, that red pyramid, that vector which I talked about is linearity. That's energy, right? That is what the Taoists call yang. And it's masculine in nature, meaning that it's positive, meaning that it moves from the inside out. It's directed, it's speaking. You know, uh, I heard the phrase recently that it said that, you know, women tend to bond face to face, but men bond shoulder to shoulder. And it's like kind of connected to this ancient idea of going to war together and just Right. You know, religious ceremonies, whatever, fishing, watching sports, whatever it is, that um it's being task oriented. It's the directedness. It's what the masculine energy is about, whether it's a man or a woman doing it. It's will and concentration, right? Spirit and nature of spirit, even in the sense that, you know, like people talk about school spirit or this person has a lot of spirit, meaning enthusiasm, meaning life energy, meaning interest, you know, meaning concentration, focus. They're alive. They're present, right? Spirit is masculine nature. And as God's will we call God the Father because God's will is unbending, unworkable, uncompromising, unalterable, inexorable. It's a constant if you want to be a physicist about it. That force is a constant and it penetrates everything and nothing can resist it. Okay? The physical world of mass the bounded infinity, the closed system of the world is feminine in nature. Okay. And the forming and energy. The, the nature. What's that? 
Well, the way they the way they call it in the Kabbalah is, you know, from God down they have chokma, which is the male energy, which you're talking about, which is like force and drive and just direction, initiation, force, right? And then the female energy, bina, forms from that force, um, which is kind of like the yeah, Adam and Eve story. Uh, it's receptive to it. So when I said life must be lived forward, that's the masculine, that's the driven, you know, uh, some, some could say in some ways blind, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, for drive, sure. will. Um, and consciousness, actually, I believe, consciousness is feminine because that's the reflection. And then, may, you know, even when I'm, when I'm saying when you're conscious of something, you're reflecting on it. You're being aware of it. You're encapsulating it in an idea. And for anything to be an idea, to be encapsulated, to be given a boundary condition, to be defined, that is the nature of the feminine. And it's cyclical in nature. It's not aggressive in nature. And this is why I believe that women are, in many respects, created perfect. Uh, the example that we use sometimes is there is actually, and you can look this up, it's been years since I looked it up, but I'm sure someone's going to call me out because I've been talking about it again recently. But it is a true story. There was a person alive, I don't know if they're still alive, whose mother was never born. And the reason being because the eggs were taken um, from a fetus, an unborn fetus an unborn child and uh, they're already fully formed you know whereas that's not the case with males you know and so even though females obviously develop and I mean in some senses they're created perfect they, their nature is to reflect God's spirit and purity right Whereas the nature of the masculine is to travel towards God, towards truth. We go on a journey. Okay. So the nature of the feminine, the physical world, it's always cyclical, as we know, with women biologically operating cyclically. For all of us, our physical bodies are the feminine side of us. They operate based on a circulatory system, right? Yeah. Loop. I don't think it's no coincidence that during the act of conception, there's obvious what you're talking about, the male energy, right? That, that there's obvious what that does. But then after that, and after that climatic event, which it would, would represent the middle circle of the rodent coil, after that, nine months later, it, the female energy creates life, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah, because that that apex of consciousness, that wholeness of the number nine is ecstasy. It is orgasm. It's ecstatic. Yeah. It is it is everything brought together, all all things, all times and all places at once. All experiences unified. Um and that is the great joy of existence at its heart, even within the pain. 
that. And it's why the nature of things are good. Spy appearances. <laughs> but so then but, we could say that the, then it would be easy to say that the evil nature of things or what we could perceive as evil is strictly a, a misunderstanding of these energies or an imbalance that causes things to happen. Well, it's so, so evil, you know, we often, and it's often in a cult associated with the number six, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, six, 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 everything. So the three and the six, you know, we can look at these two different things also by talking about three and six because three, nine, and six are three numbers and one, two, four, eight, seven, five, and six numbers, right? So in a way, the three represents the masculine or the linearity, the trinity, and the six represents the thing in the, the supposedly physical world of creation, mother nature. Um, but of its own, that physical creation, the beauty, nature, is cold. If you take this energy away, it would be left destitute and void. Um, it receives, well, I know, can I even be so bold as to say she receives her energy, her life, and her goodness from God's spirit. And I don't just mean women. I mean men too. All physical life. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, and any time that female energy... Is of so, its own nature, cold and dead and inert, unless it's enlivened by spirit. This is the difference between a living person and a dead body. Well, I also also um, say I think too. I agree with you, and I also think that like a lot of the reasons why men have issues with love and intimacy or have so many problems in their lives is because they're they're real comfortable in that masculine energy, but when God, consciousness, spirit speaks to them through how much ever feminine energy that they hold in in their body, which they do, they, it, I don't know. It just depends on how they were raised, maybe, or how they deal with it. But a lot of times, they well, don't balance it out. Traditionally, women were always oracles. Mm-hmm. You know? And this right. led up into the, even into the days of the witch panics. It's because women have to generally have the tendency towards a, 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 an easier, they can, they can be receptive. Right. They can open up. They know how to listen. They know how to listen. You know, and we often don't, and we often, you know, talk first and assert first, you know, and so, it, yeah, we're, we're, we're often hindered by our own forwardness or, or ego or, or search even, and we're not just being present and receiving. So really the goal is for all of us, male or female, as far as biology, to harness to, to be able to use the best of both worlds. And so the way that it's useful for anyone is that the goal ultimately is that your spirit must be indestructible, unbendable, unthwartable. It must be perfect 
just the meaning and the scripture for me of, of, of you know to be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect it means you have to be uncompromising as far as the truth as far as the principles as far as the ethics you, you can't that I mean and that's essentially what sin is it's weakness it's, it's the weakness of the spirit you know and that's why it's a sin because the spirit is never weak you know it's the flesh as we know that's weak yeah. so the goal with the body is to relax is to open up is to behave more in a feminine nurturing way to be um to be peaceful in that way but the, the goal is to create a spirit that is hard as a diamond and a body a vehicle and a vessel even a voice and forgive me because i'm nowhere near doing any of this but this is the idea of the saints that is effortless relaxed unaffected um, easygoing you know in other words not resisting because in the physical world that's what we're looking for the path of least resistance all the energy all the work that's already being done it's all being driven by spirit and determination and love you know being driven by love even the hateful things that people do, I believe, are driven by love. Just, or, yeah, just or lack of it, and they're trying to get back to it. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you had no love, you, you wouldn't even hate. Right. Right. Um, so, it's, you know, it's without love at all. I mean, it's just coldness, just psychopathy, you know not even hate, not even passion, it's just dead. So where, so like under, once we understand the importance of, of this, of this glyph, what it means, what it stands for, how it's the key to the vortex math, vortex math just being a, an understanding of something much, much bigger, right? But that's what we've been talking about. Once a human comes to understand this, Randy, what's the next thing that you think they should do? Should they embrace it just themselves? Should they teach it? Should they go out in nature and look for it and everything? What are we to do with this? Well, I, I always say, you know, I, I teach martial arts. I'm a jiu-jitsu teacher. Oh, nice. Cool. I teach mixed martial arts. That's what I do for work. And, I got my uh, purple belt through the Machado's. Actually. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah, they're, they're legendary. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's the people say purple belt. Know, that's not a big deal. Them, it is for me. Purple belt's a very big deal. Yeah. Purple belt's a very big deal. Um, you know, the, the, it's all, it's a lot of work to get there. And then you got to stay there for a long time. <laughs> don't you think uh, that the but see that when you were talking about that earlier i hate to just side rail real quick but when you were talking about that earlier how the body was um vertical not horizontal but balanced in a vertical nature because of this cliff 
it made me wonder like, okay, so jujitsu, I immediately thought about that too. It was like jujitsu was, was created by monks, like, old, like monks that were just trying to guard their fields and stuff before it ever got to Brazil or anything. Did they understand the math of the body? Is this why a 90 year old man who was weak could, you know, you know, incapacitate a samurai or, or a ninja or someone that was really strong because they just understood the body and the mathematics of it possibly. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, I mean, in real life combat, we all know that there's a reality there and, and, you know, um, anything can happen and some of those stories get exaggerated, but you know, I'm a smaller, I'm not a big guy, you know, I weigh, I'm heavier now, I weigh about 160 pounds. Mm. And, you know, I grapple every day with very big, big guys, guys heavyweights, yeah. whatever. And, uh, and small, you know, all different sized people. And, yeah, it's not a problem. When you understand how the body works, when you understand where the joints are, where you can collapse, where there's no resistance. It's all the same. Like, you know, and I've talked to some of my jiu-jitsu buddies who are into the math about, you know, collaborating and, and really doing a book on presenting jiu-jitsu and vortex mathematics because it's all tied in. Like I said, it's, it's all the, about finding that path of least resistance. It's all about conservation of energy. Um, and it's about everything being applied at its right time and place. Um, and... Uh, I'm trying. What was the initial question you had asked? Well, the, well I just I, I sidetracked you there. My initial question, other than the jujitsu, was once someone comes to understand this glyph, what it means, what yeah. everything yeah. that it is to them in life. Where do we go from here? So, so that does connect back because what I was I was referencing that to just say you have to apply things where they're relevant. In other words, you have to understand where you're relevant. The beauty of this math is it touches everything. We all have, as they say in the church, we all have a vocation. You know, we're, we're all called to do something. And I think it's important for a lot of us who have a broad mind to realize that the principle that, you know, you can create anything, you can be anything right. you want, but you can't be everything that you want. Because some things contradict everything, you know. As I, you know, told told some of my guys, you know, you can't be both uh, a, you know, a top level gymnast and a high level power lifter. Those two things are just going to conflict with one another. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you know, you have to understand wh what is your frame of reference to use a term of relativity. relativity. So if you're a, you know, if you're a jiu-jitsu coach, apply it to jiu-jitsu. If you're a spiritual um, advisor, uh, then apply it to understanding the ways of the spirit and love and relationship. If you're a physicist, apply it to service. You know, I am in a, a, a position in some ways that what I do is that I am a bit of a Renaissance man. I do kind of have my hands in a lot of things that I recognize that it's an impossible task. I'm just trying to serve as a bridge for people to be able to make these connections. 
so that I can really flesh out and explain to whatever detail anyone is willing to go the distance with me, I will stick it through. You know, it's much easier with some visuals to go along, at least something I can draw on so that we can diagram as we're speaking and people don't get lost. Yeah, and you got quite a few really but, cool videos on your YouTube channel that go where you explain a lot when it comes to this glyph, too, which is, I recommend. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, unfortunately, they're all over a decade old, but, um, you know, we'll get we'll get some more up soon. Uh, we're working on it um, because there's so much new stuff and so much of a deeper, we've gone to too much deeper with it. But, um, but then ultimately, I'm just trying to help people make these connections so they can see what the unity of God really means, what the Trinity means. It means that there is no difference between physics and poetry or, or love and chemistry it's not it's not um <clears throat> it's not to be reductionist because the, the the fallacy of the reductionist is that you're always trying to reduce everything to one expression and, instead of trying and and so that's the that's the heresy of mixing the persons of the trinity like saying, for instance, yeah, a reductionist they, statement one, would be not, would be like, they're, well, they're love has be, nothing to do with chemistry. Love is such more higher than chemistry. It's much. A, it's a divine thing. Yeah, chemistry is a mundane thing. Love is, or to say that love is just chemicals in your brain, or gotcha. to say that, or to say, or the other position to be an idealist and say that um, chemicals are just. Uh, chemicals you know, they have nothing to do with love the feeling <laughs> of, of love yeah. you know it's just really that these, all these things they are one but they are not mixed they're distinct from each other spirit and matter are one but they are not mixed and the problem is so let me let me be specific so that I'm not being too abstract this is what I mean. The omnidimension of spirit, of energy, if people aren't comfortable with the spirit term, if you want to be like scientists about it, say energy. This higher world of linearity and this, lin this higher world of this linear time is one with the physical universe of warping, curved, cyclical time that exists within a ever-repeating and renewing vortex of creation. These two things are one, but you cannot confuse them with one another. If you say that the physical world this, this cyclical world of vortex is the linearity, then you're being confused. You know, it's like calling your feet, your hands. You know, they're all your body, but they have to be understood distinctly in terms of how they're articulated. Mm -hmm. And this is largely due to the fact that language itself 
only bears out in this world of 3D. It's so, because this is the world where things are defined, where they're encapsulated, where they're discrete, where they're mathematical. And this higher world, I mean, who can't, you can't even say anything about it. It's just beyond comprehension. It just is what it is, right? Like, yeah, I get what you're I saying. Can't, I don't even know that you can say that. But who knows what you it know? is, right? It, yeah. That's, this is, this, this, this is, well, well, this is, it's you, right? It's, 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 our source it's god right but this is like the old conundrum why people do negative theology because you can't really say what god is you can just because you can only define what god isn't like god is not this lamp on my table god is not the rock on the floor you know um you can only really define god to, to some in these negative terms. Now that might not be the whole story, but ultimately whatever descriptive terms that we're using are terms that only can apply even allegorically or metaphorically to the physical world. Right? Because that that's where all definition exists. It's what the ancients called the world of the names, the world of language, you know. The the, the word incarnate, if you will. Uh, I think I, th I think this could be one of the reasons why we talk so much on this show about the out of body experience, consciousness exploration, dream exploration, the symbol, the study of symbolism, because it's like, and I'll tell you like this, I've brought it up a few times. I had Laird Scranton on the show when we were talking about the Dogon, and Laird Scranton uh, is a mass, and like when it comes to research. And, and, you know, he was a programmer, so he had to study all this math and stuff and programs, but he took that knowledge, went in and studied the Dogon and all of these things and saw a program, right? All these different programs and what this spirit, in other words, what spirit was actually trying to say. And I told him, I said, well, I'm not a genius or anything, but intuitively, I feel like if you look at a figure eight, there's the metaphysical world on one side of that eight and the physical world on the other and where those those circles cross in that figure eight that's that's where our subconscious is that's where we learn to listen to what spirit's trying to say through creation and it's trying to talk back to us and we go on and on about how like we want to die and go to heaven but how do we not know that when we go to heaven that god just wants to live right and so i told him i said maybe well, they both depend the on each point. other and he was like, this is what he said based on what you're saying. He said, all of my studies are saying that notion right there. Everything he's ever studied is coming to that. Yeah, what it is, this is, this is how I would say it, is that as I was referring to the descriptive and that being what the function of language is, many people have pointed this out, like Wittgenstein, you know, talking mm -hmm. about languages thing and then I don't know what you're talking about with everything else and he had this he couldn't derive any odds he was missing the higher part because the world of spirit is not to be defined the 396 its meanings its definition eludes everyone the greatest scientists all of us 
we don't, we don't, no one can fully understand it. It's not to be understood, but what it does is performs the higher function of language, which is its ethical function, which is it's right. injunctive. It tells you what to do. And that's uh, what spirit does. It, its function is command. It's not descriptive. Descriptive is the function of the feminine, of reflection, of definition. Okay? That is the lexicon. But the descriptive function of language is by far its weaker function. And I think that's where some linguists fully miss out. That I don't believe that language begins with the description by everyone degreeing, we're going to call this tree. You know? Yeah. Language begins injunctively. It's telling you to do something, what to do, stop, go, here. You know, it's, it's a command. And command the voice of God. That's what it is. It's not, you know, God's not going to come down and be like, well, my favorite color is red. And uh, yeah, right. my hair looks on. You know, he's not there to describe the indescribable. What would you there. think is happening during a synchronicity, though? Would you say that that's a command from spirit? Or a validation? Yeah, what it is the, um, it is the, um, you know, I think my, uh, your piece might battery might go out, so I'm going to try and switch it. I have a little audio. But, um, yeah, I do ultimately think that you lose your earpiece. Yeah, that's all right. Can you hear me? Okay. Oh man, yeah, you sound a lot Am better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's better. <laughs> you should have did the whole well, show with that sound. Bring it in so late. <laughs> sorry, I thought it might get more feedback that way. Um. So synchronicity. We Sorry, I got a little technical. A synchronicity, there. a command or a validation, or what do you right, think that so, is? Well, I think that sync. I think he can be dangerous to consider it necessarily command, um, because there's a level of judgment that has to go into trying to evaluate any of that. I think in some ways synchronicity is just a harmony. It's it's just a witness to the order of creation. Um, in my own personal experience, when a synchronicity is really meaningful to me, is when its complexity is, is such that it can't be explained by our normal limited ways of seeing cause and effect. And I think that that is the purpose. We're very limited in the way that we see cause and effect because we're operating, as I said before, on this false binary, which is really, uh, there's always a missing third element. So whereas we see the chain of events in time as a sequence of cause and effect, in other words, you know, the Archduke gets shot and then there's a reaction and then you get the World War, right? Um, 
there is this chain of events that we see and we look at one as being the cause of the other. I, I uh, hit the cue ball, the cue ball hit the eight ball and it went in the pocket. Okay. Um, and, you know, then some philosophers and skeptics have pointed out that the problem with this is that, you know, we really don't experience this causality. People like David Hume pointed this, this stuff out. Um, but the reality is the, the real cause is hitting us tangentially from out of another dimension. And it is actually creating the world at every moment. Um, new recreating. Um, and so there is that opportunity for intervention. There is divine, the divine hand, the divine intervention, the miracle, the synchronicity, the divine plan. And when it really, when you become conscious of it anyway, um, or when you experience it, I think is a more appropriate way to, to put it when it, when it just sort of hits you, if I may say out of left field or tangentially intersects your life in a seemingly normal process of cause and effect, which is really just that doubling circuit process, that one, two, four, eight, seven, five, we're all going through it. And we think it's the one that leads to the two and the two that leads to the four and the four that leads to the eight. But really it's all being affected, warped, curved, and moved and created by the three, nine, six, mm. just intersecting it, uh, like from a right angle. And so, um, so there is this hidden hand, but the beauty is that we are, um, inextractably connected to that hidden hand and in our ideal state, should be oriented towards it and identifying with it. In other words, we should be it or, or that God, that Christ should live within us mm -hmm. um, and perfect us. And not that we should follow the path of this world or of just desire because you're caught in an illusion. You think that you're the cause of your actions then, but you're really being controlled because you don't see the cause. Um, I say, yeah, that, that's, that is the whole of all of, uh, what we would call like a lot of the conspiracy theorists call manipulation, things like that, especially what's going on with the masks and all this stuff. But to me, uh, I think you're right. I think it's like what David Matheson said. It's, it's just us disconnecting from ourselves with each other and life as a whole, regardless of how much the world is trying to do it. You can still just reconnect, you know, just reconnect. To yeah, it. well, synchronicity, most of us know it shows up in your life. First of all, you know, you can't be looking for it. You're not trying to force it, right? All this thing, just like everything. You're not contriving it. It's spontaneous that's what makes it synchronicity and again i think it's an evidence that when you're living in love when you're not thinking about yourself you're not you're not overly subconscious or reflecting you're acting out of love you're acting on the truth and you're just putting yourself out there in that way 
that all these synchronicities just start occurring with more and more frequency and more and more power and significance in your life. Right. And you just have to trust it. And, you know, and we, when you trust God and when you trust that path, then it's just there for you. Then these miracles start to occur, you know? So, you know, in some ways this is just where I, you know, uh, we, we have all these terms like synchronicity, which just comes from Jung and, and all these modern terms. And he was deriving much of this stuff from the Gnostics. And again, it comes back to a lot of these old heresies because in a way, synchronicity is just a way of saying, you know, a miracle, right? In other words, it's an intervention from God, from spirit. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, you recognize that causality is a higher dimensional energy that is intersecting with this world. And Mm -hmm. what you see as a binary is really two effects related to another cause that's outside of time and space. And that only becomes temporal and spatial at the precise moment where it intersects with this world. So it is creating this world from eternity at all points in time and space. Yeah, that's so crazy, man. What you just said there is is so intense. People don't realize what you just said right there. Like synchronicity is the moment of realization, whether you realize it or not, where you're at one with witnessing the cause and effect of that creation in this yeah, it's glyph. Like, the world is like a movie. It exists in frames per second. Everything that we see as continuous motion is, is extremely rapid, discrete pulsations. Okay. Every, there are actually quantum moments. I'm sure it's extremely rapid, right? But there is a flicker rate for reality. Yeah. Uh, and so you, if you're totally unconscious that you're in the theater and that there is a projectionist and you're completely absorbed in the movie, then everything is the movie, right? You see it as this continuity. But from the perspective of the projectionist, you understand that every single one of those frames is being created moment by moment uh, from from a source outside of that time, the time of the movie. In other words, it's already completed, developed, the the beginning and the end is already there. Um, And so in a way it's liberating because all that's incumbent upon us is to recognize this, to recognize that this is God's law. We can relax. We can relax all our plans. Also, when you're asking what should we do, well, we have to be receptive to some sense. We have to be able to logically assess our situation and what we're here, what we're doing. Are we a teacher? Are we a first responder? Are we a president? I don't know. What are you? You know, mm-hmm. and what is your field? What I'm trying to do here, my function in that I'm just a person who reads broadly, who's interested in a lot of different things from, from ancient culture and to the fine arts, to science, to literature. 
And I just have this ability to go to the experts and help them solve the problem that they can't solve. <laughs> you know, uh, I've just been uh, re- using the services of a friend of mine who's a very good mathematician in the conventional sense to make the connections from my math to um you know, conventional math so that we can help the mathematicians understand it better. And, you know, he's writing out these very complicated equations, trigonometry and other things, but he can't find the solution to what we're doing. And then I end up figuring it out based <laughs> on something I'm reading. Yeah, there you go. That's how it works, people. right? Yeah, that's good, though. And it, it's, listen, it's just such a... Yeah, well, go ahead. I don't even know any of the stuff, but it was just such a simple equation what the ultimate answer that all, all this complexity came to be. And that's what I do. I that's refine it. I'm able to just, I know based on what I know and based on just a sense of reality. Mm. Well, we're out of time. Just, uh, we're just flat out of time. We got to get out of here. We're about to get cut off. Give them like one link if All you right. want everybody to go to. What would be the one link to find you real quick? The best thing right now, the only social media I do is Instagram. I'm just posting things. I'm going to be launching some more stuff on YouTube soon. We're working on on that. And I want to start some things with like super chats and stuff so people can ask questions. And uh, But yes, if you're on Instagram, follow me on Instagram at Vortex Math. And uh, I'll be posting all the updates there. and. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll have more stuff up soon. So I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, man. Fantastic. Listen, uh, shoot, we got cut off. I can pull us back in, though. There we go. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Randy. I, I really dig this, uh, what you're doing. And we'll keep up with you. Hopefully we'll be able to talk to you again or something. Thanks for hanging out with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, reach out anytime. I'm happy to do it. All right, guys, we got to get out of here. The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gables coming up next. Don't copy the show without written permission. Thanks, Pacho, the patrons, you guys in the Fringe FM chat. See you tomorrow night. Good night.